listening to another bonus episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm here with my co-host, Wayne, as we're going to talk about our listener, Fred, from the Netherlands, a top 10 list that he gave us, and we want to give him some of our thoughts on some of these items. So uh, we're going to go ahead and start with the Divergent trilogy, which, uh, you know, Fred had all three films and or books on his list so you know for me my first uh, i guess awareness of divergent came with this this rush of ya dystopia novels like the hunger games maze runner and of course divergent that that seemed to be everywhere starting in the late 2000s uh i mean where did you first come across divergent well i think pretty much like like everything, it was seeing the students that I teach. All of a sudden, everyone was into this these these books, you know. Okay. Um, and they were like so much. So it's when you like you have the kids basically, you know, with the book shoved under the desk, and as you're teaching, they they have this book they're trying to read, and I have to tell them this is English class. There's no reading in here. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> right. Right. And, and I mean, for me. Uh, I read all three Hunger Games books first, and yes. then, like you, I'd see kids carrying around the Divergent books, so then I went and read all three Divergent books. So this is one of those rare cases where, in terms of popular literature, that I read the books before I saw the movies. So uh, Yes. And, and it's, it's, the one that's different is like you said, the, the Maze Runner. And I actually, I think I, I ran to, I'd gone through the Divergent books. I actually read the, uh, what's the, the Vampire Werewolf books, the, uh, the Kristen Stewart movie books, whatever. Yeah. I read all those stupid books. Twilight. I hate Twilight, yes. Yes. Twilight books. Uh, and uh, so. You know, and the Harry Potter and Hunger Games and all that. And so when my son actually has like uh, the the Maze Runner, I started reading it. I I got like about three pages in. I'm like, I I just can't do this anymore. <laughs> right. All these books are all the same. I can't do it anymore. So anyway, right. But but Divergent. Um, you know, the the first book was written in 2011 by Veronica Roth and it was made into a film that came out in 2014 and and I really enjoyed the book I mean, you know the uh the the idea that they're working with which is that at uh, uh, I believe it's age 16 everybody's essentially tested to figure out which of and again I think there were six areas uh no five factions into which you would then basically live out the rest of your life and you know we've got um the faction list which are this group of outcasts but there's this one hidden faction secretly known as divergent and you know it's i guess i love the fact that the main character tris played by shailene woodley in the movie uh she tests divergent but I can't remember. I don't think she knows it when she comes out of her test, you know, because the guy uh, well, testing her is four, right? I, I think by, yeah, by Theo James. Uh, yeah, I think they there's uh, I, I, the, the, in the test she definitely chose to go like the divergent path. 
Right. And yeah. I mean, what you see in Divergent is that generally kids follow their parents. So her parents are what is known as abnegation, which are the selfless. Uh, we've got Amity, the kind, Erudite, the intelligent, Candor, the honest, and Dauntless, the brave. And, and they're sort of this militaristic sect. And that's what she chooses. She goes with Dauntless a, a, as if to get as far away from her parents as she possibly can. But but even that, I mean, it seems as if she has a good relationship with her parents. And, uh, you know, her mother is played by Ashley Judd. And I'm not a huge Ashley Judd fan. I mean, I like her okay, but but I really thought she's great as, as Triss's mom in the films. Yeah, yeah, she's good. I actually, I was just thinking, like, like the test, like Triss, like chooses um, the Dauntless. Like right. it, it's it's not chosen for. It's like she she makes the choice. Like yes, they suggest what she could be part of, but it's you know it's her who, and of course the 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 risk of of choosing a faction you're not really suited for is that you end up as being one of the factionless right right and then we've got kate winslet as janine who's created this mind control drug to keep dauntless in line so you know it all starts to make sense that the leaders need the military if you will to you know keep their power and if we need them then we want to be able to control them the world building in divergent again i thought was pretty cool uh not so cool janine's genocide plan that that obviously is, yeah. is what tris ultimately tries to prevent but you know we're, we don't want to get into all the details of the divergent plot line and, and the storylines but uh, you know, as the first book in a YA dystopian trilogy, I, I really enjoyed it and I enjoyed the movie. That said, the second book, Insurgent, which came out in 2012 and the film 2015, you know, I got through it not quite as quickly as I did the first book, yeah. but that's probably true of most trilogies, you know, maybe not Lord of the Rings, but. Uh, not, this not ain't the Lord of the Rings. Star Wars movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, the second one takes place. I think it's like five days after uh, the first book ends, and you know they're they're trying to bring down uh, Janine and the rest of her faction. And yeah, yeah, again, we've got a lot of similar aspects to Hunger Games with this martial law kind of feeling going on in the world and and uh you know she starts developing this relationship with four who we learn is tobias eaton and oh yeah he's the son of the factionless leader so you know the the plot starts to thicken a bit and you know shippers are happy because you know tris and four get together it takes a little while but you know i was okay with that i mean come on you, you know you've got to try to please i don't want to say everybody but i mean who doesn't like a good relationship between people that are fighting for their lives you know sure you know. except in a really crappy book which is what insurgent was okay so you didn't like the second book at all or uh i can't say i did i i, I probably I'm, I'm more akin to what you said like i definitely there's definitely a sense that this book is nowhere near as good 
as the first book. But uh, like and again, this is what what drove me through the Twilight series. And not saying one Twilight book is any better than I think they're all pretty much the same, which means they're all not good. But I just had was already into the story. I was in like I was in the middle of the story, and I'm like, okay, I, let's see this out, you know. So I actually had gotten like for Christmas or something. I gotten I'd asked for and received all three books. So they'd been bought and paid for. They're there sitting by my nightstand, and I'm like, all right, what the hell? I've the version was pretty good. Let's let's go with the next one. Not as good, and. You know, and then, well, we'll talk about Allegiant in a second, I guess. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things we get to the end and, and Janine is, is, you know, kind of in custody, wondering what might lie beyond the wall. Janine, not Dragon. I'll tell you that. So, um, <laughs> and then we get to the third book, Allegiant, which was published in 2013. Ugh. And interestingly here, uh, Divergent series tried to do what the aforementioned series have done, whether Harry Potter, Hunger Games, uh, is to take the final book and split it into two movies. And the 2016 film part one, you know, came out with not a lot of fanfare to the point that they just canceled part two. I never, never made the movie. I didn't, I didn't even realize that. I only saw the first. Well, I only saw Divergent. Right. I had no so, idea that they only filmed the first half of the last novel, and that yep. they never filmed the second half. Like, to me, that's actually kind of funny. Yeah. So you know, I like the whole Chicago is this walled city that that she and four have to, you know, try to navigate. You like that? But, well kind of but i mean i i didn't finish the third book so the third book just the third book i never finished the third book Ah, so i I guess i can see it was awful it was so bad oh my god well i guess i can see the first part of the movie and then i'll be good i don't (laughs) (laughs) right anyway but uh any anything else you want to mention about divergent before we move on um yeah one thing is that though i I, I love the book. I didn't really care for the movie that much, but the one scene of the Dauntless jumping off the train, I oh got my admit, gosh. that's awesome. That was a great scene. That was really, yeah. that's, a, that's a quality scene. Do you think Shailene Woodley did her own stunts? I sincerely doubt it. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, so uh, I guess that'll do it with the Divergent series, and we will move on. All right, well, why don't we move over to Avatar next? And I know this is a movie that you've seen, I'm guessing, more than once. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's it, been it a while a, since I've seen it, but yeah. Now, is this one you own a copy? Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. I mean, I know from talking to you over the years, your DVD library seems to be fairly extensive. But this is one that I have tried, dude, time and time again to get into and i've got to admit that i've still never seen the whole thing i mean when fred brought it up really in in his uh, you know top 10 list i thought all right i'll go back and give it another shot i i don't know if it's just that i'm not really an animation guy and uh-huh. it's i know it's not 
true animation. I mean, it is and it is. Well, it is. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. It is. Um, I mean, I, I've certainly seen enough documentary footage of how they, you know, created the the different um, characters and things like that. Uh, I don't know if it's that I feel like they're assaulting me with more social commentary and maybe I'm too sensitive that I don't look for that anymore in my entertainment that, you know, with the media, the way it is, I can. Right. But, and, yeah, and they really I'm, do kind of, uh, you know, bash you over the head uh, with the you know eco-friendly message of the movie, for sure. Yeah. Um, but, but I mean, I get the sense from talking to you that you like it, right? Yeah, yeah. I like Avatar a lot. So, I mean. Um, it actually was just passed by Avengers Endgame as the number two highest grossing film of all time in North America. And as of right now, it is still the number one highest grossing film worldwide. Wow. So, Dave, I hate to tell you, but the rest of the world is pretty much in disagreement with you on this one. Okay. Now, is this one that you can take the kids to? Because, again, I've uh-huh. mentioned many times, I don't have kids, you do. So sometimes my perspective on what young kids can handle, should handle is – maybe not accurate. I mean, is this one you took your kids to? Uh, we didn't take them to it. Uh, my wife and I went and saw it. Actually, I remember the funniest thing about Avatar, I always remember, is we saw it in 3D, and there's actually this one scene where like the, the, you know, the military bad guys are like dropping bombs, and the one bomb that they drop like hits the ground and bounces towards you and both my wife and i just were like whoa we like ducked like in different directions and then we looked at each other like oh we're idiots <laughs> but it was a really good 3d film like it was like i mean i i i mean i'm not lying i i ducked from a, a projectile hurling towards me from a movie screen it was pretty wild so. um so we didn't take the kids to see it but Pretty much right after I got, like, I got, like, the DVD for my birthday that year or something, I think. And I remember Sean and Brendan watched it. And I don't know, what year did this come out? They were probably, like, 10 years old when it came out. Um, 2009. Yeah, 10 and 8. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, like, yeah. So, they were, like, 8 and 7 at the time. And um, I know Sean watched it, at least. And he was probably 8. He was, you know, 8, 9 years old at the time. Right. So, um, it was fine. I mean, there's there's violence in it as there are in a lot of movies. It's it's no worse than any of the uh, Marvel movies. All right. Well, an, another film Fred has on his list is, is uh, it's a movie based on an animated series that I've heard through various uh, Facebook groups for different TV shows that that I follow and and you know periodically somebody will mention the thunderbirds and this is a 2004 film that's based on the animated series of the 60s directed by jonathan frakes who we of course know from star trek next generation and then the direction that he provided to a number of episodes in the librarians but i guess because of my age the 
Thunderbirds and the fact that I don't have kids is just something that was not on my radar at all. I mean, did, were you aware of the cartoon series at all growing up or even with your kids? Yes, kind of. When I was a kid, um, they had like the, you know, they, they was on like reruns on TV and everything okay. that I would catch every now and then, but I wasn't like a big fan, okay. but I thought it was kind of cool. Okay, it was like so, puppets. Right. Exactly. Right. So this is the live action version starring Bill Paxton, who he's one of those guys that I know him most recently from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but he's one of those actors that you know you've seen him in a bunch of things. You might not be able to remember what they are. He's one of those guys. I always think of him like Dennis Quaid, that he just seems like a good guy. I mean, yeah. well, he's life no he longer with us, so. Oh, right, right, yeah. Died last year, I so. believe. But but he yeah. plays the father of this family of, I think they're all sons, but I could be wrong. Um, and, and I did watch the movie. Really not my cup of tea that, you know, maybe had I grown <laughs> up with the cartoon series, I, I would have, you know, gotten into it a lot more. But it really is geared towards kids. I mean, the dialogue, the acting, it's very light. I mean, it's uh, one of those things that that I didn't see anything in it that you couldn't have a young kid see. I don't even know if I would call it violence. I mean, certainly there's some action because they fly these ships around and, you know, they make a lot of semi-dangerous maneuvers but you don't really see anybody getting hurt even though saving lives is a dangerous business it's what we do and <laughs> and then of course the tagline thunderbirds are go which i guess that right. sends the team in into action but you know it really is though and i can really see the appeal for young kids because it's about each individual at some point doing something heroic you know, even if and there's one scene where the I, I think he's the youngest child, he ends up having to fly the one ship, and he's like, "Oh, wait, you fly it by myself?" And yeah, the expectation is you're gonna, you know, you're gonna you're gonna be heroic. You're gonna do what needs to be done, and and of course, they do it. And again, you and I have had this discussion about. Uh, special effects and and having your your sons uh, maybe your daughters too you know watch first season of star trek back you know the original and and uh, obviously the special effects here are clearly second and third level but that's what they're going for i assume right right to yeah. try to to try to mirror the you know the cartoons and you know as i said the acting is stylized to you know appeal to kids and it's got this wholesome positive feel and honestly for what it is i think it's great i mean it's not for me i'm likely never going to watch the movie again and i probably won't ever track down the 1960s cartoon series on youtube but you know it was a fun ride i'll definitely say that cool all right so um i guess that'll you know unless you anything else you want to bring up about thunderbirds nope Okay, cool. All right, so why don't we talk about Defiance next? Uh, okay. I know you watched it, as, as did I, and, and I actually loved it. Actually, Michael and I podcasted about that, I think, for 
TV Talk. I don't now. I can't even remember what we podcasted that for. I think it was TV <laughs> Talk, but uh, uh, I really liked it. Yeah, Defiance, I, I liked a lot. That was a, a really good show. It, it wasn't necessarily a show you had to think a lot about, but it's just really enjoyable. It's cool. The characters were great. Uh, probably the best part of it was was the characters, you know, especially uh, Joshua Nolan, right? Nolan. Um, oh yeah, as oh yeah. Played by Grant Bauer there. Uh, was, you know, like really, like again, like how often do you get that guy? You just you basically build a show around this guy, so he's got to be a strong actor. He's got to be able to carry the show. Nathan Fillion with Firefly and. Uh, Oh, I, dude, I was sitting here thinking, I mean, they're not in space, obviously, but the town that they're in is so, you know, like how many towns that we saw in Firefly. That, right. That, uh, yeah. Th- I mean, there, there's so the many, so many, like, you know, Firefly comparisons uh, that, that you could make there. Um, right. But the other thing I, I guess that I thought, it, it's almost got, and I know this is going to be sacrilege and I'll, you know, be tart and feathered on the uh facebook group but i mean it's almost like a low end game of thrones as all of these families vie for power right you know yeah i mean certainly uh tar who uh, again was one of my favorite characters that i love to hate and and, you know the whole romeo and juliet story right between his his daughter and uh god i can't think of the guy uh rafe uh daughter and and uh, you know and then him being up in that needle or whatever spinning his records as the town dj Uh, but but so much going on around him And, and and look of course we're supposed to understand that it's it's a commentary on society at large and and you know the you know, social acceptance of different groups and and obviously things like that but uh, you know at the heart of it it's just really just cutthroat but my favorite character and i, I haven't brought her up in quite a while uh-huh. though i have to admit i have googled her a few times in the last few months is uh anna hopkins who plays berlin yeah yeah i just <laughs> i've always loved her and yeah you, i remember she seems you, to show you had a big thing for berlin there yep and she seems to show up in a genre show or two uh i want to say she was even in killjoys at, at one point but uh for a few episodes i think that well would be who hasn't I, been not, really not, you know like well good point <laughs> But but I just really think Defiance was, again, one of those shows that it, it needed more time. It, it really was getting better as it went on. And even the, the, the relationship that he has with Arissa, his adopted daughter. And, right. you know, the, the backstory that the, two, that the two of them have is just so wonderful. And, and again, I see so much of uh, Arya Stark in right. Arissa. Well, the, and, there was just there, there was so much like family stuff going on. Like, so it wasn't like it wasn't like a family show, right? But the, just right. like family was such an important aspect for the motivation for all of these characters. You know, Nolan would do anything to protect Arissa. You know, and, and yep. maybe makes decisions that we disagree with. Uh, you know, to because it's best for Arissa and everything. So. 
Um, right. And of course, you know, Amanda Rosewater, you know, was she was amazing. Uh, Julie yep. Benz there. And, you know, but um, just like, you know, Daytac will do anything for his family and he loses his family, he gets his family back, you know, just like. Yeah, it was just it was all around great show. I I, I loved it. it was, uh, when it ended, I was, you know, I, I don't necessarily feel the outrage I felt for other shows, but um, still, it was really disappointing when, when this one ended. Right. So if I mean, if you haven't seen Defiance, it's only thirty nine episodes spread over three seasons. I think it's thirteen in each. Uh, it's really worth checking out when you when you get a chance. It, it's just uh, just like you said, it's just a really good show. Yeah, so, absolutely. Now another. Another really good show is Killjoys, and and this is a show that that I've been covering for Den of Geek. There have been four seasons, 2015 to the present. The fifth season is going to be the final season, and and if history repeats itself, it'll probably air July or so. But along with Dark Matter and The Expanse, it really gave sci-fi fans who are into the space stories really a, a nice trilogy of shows that that just were were really good. I mean, they all had their flaws, but you know they were really good. Now, Killjoys, if you don't know, follows a three-person team of, and they're referred to as Killjoys. Essentially, they're authorized bounty hunters, right? Traveling through a four-star system known as the Quad. And their motto is, the warrant is all. I guess one of the things I love about this show is that to a large extent, all of the characters are morally ambiguous. I mean, even and maybe even especially the three killjoys, although I guess you could even argue Johnny is the least. But but we follow Yelena Dutch Yardine, and oh my God, I mean, she's just such an awesome character. And now I think Fred's a Killjoys fan. Well, of course he is. He wouldn't have given it uh, right. to us to talk about. But but she's such a great character. We actually get two for the price of one at some point. But she's got this secret history with Klein, and the green plasma takes the story in this fascinating direction. And, and you, you know, you talk about morally ambiguous. I don't think there's anybody, I mean, Klein, yeah. we assume he's just totally evil. And by the end of the, his, his arc it's well, you know, maybe he's not as evil maybe as we not. thought, yeah. Yeah. you know, love her relationship with Johnny, uh, who, who it's, it's more of brother sister relationship. Uh, I mean, they clearly love each other and, you know, she's got badass fighting skills and a badass personality to go. Uh, and then there's that narrative twist with her twin, Anila, who is her mother and her sister, <laughs> which I guess if you watch the yeah. show, you know what I'm talking about. But then we've got the two brothers, Johnny and Davin Jacoby, uh johnny's the younger one he's the pilot sort of like space fiction's version of macgyver you know he's a technical genius anything goes wrong he can generally fix it he can you know build a bridge with toothpicks and bubble gum and and uh he loves dutch as a sister but uh, i just can't forget that relationship he had with potter sims i mean that was one of my favorite arcs and the yeah. way that ended just was just truly heartbreaking i mean it was certainly heartbreaking to lose her character because she was so great but yeah yeah you know for johnny it was uh 
you know, a lot to go through. And then Davin, his his older brother, who's a former soldier and part of this military super soldier experiment. He's sort of the protector of the team. And I, I, I mean, do you like the relationship he has with Dutch? You know, their bed buddies. I yeah, guess, it's would be well, the, you know, it, it's so like they, they they're always changing that relationship. And you you know, sometimes I think I like it, sometimes not. You know, so like here's what bothered me and where I find this show to be has, shares too much of the worst parts of like Lost Girl, where just okay. a relationship would be one way one week and then the next the next week. And there'd just be like little narrative reasoning or rationale for the the big change, you know, just like it just sometimes it seems like like the like characters overreact to things and everything i don't know just like every now and then but for the most part i think that relationship between davin and dutch and uh johnny that's like just such the core of this show you know and when if that should break then the show falls apart you know it's 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 i mean it's a really good show i love it i love killjoys it's it's super enjoyable it's kind of like Whenever, like on Supernatural, when they would, like, I think they just did it one time. They kind of, like, broke up Sam and Dean, right? And they're separated. They're pissed at each other the whole season. It was like, it was like, this is bullshit, you know? It's just like, you know, like, I don't watch this show for Sam and Dean to be bitching at each other all the time. I watch them to see them teaming up because the, their their relationship is, like, the core of the show. So it's like the same thing with with these three, you know, like that relationship, and it's and they play off each other really well. You, I mean, I might be wrong, but it seems like the actors really like each other. I mean, again, they're actors, so they can you know fake that stuff, but it just seems like you just kind of intuit this kind of you know strong chemistry between the three of them. Yeah, and, and uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the ship's AI Lucy, right. who's condescending tone and manner is just awesome on a week-to-week basis loves to remind johnny that it's dutch's ship not his uh and, and then there's some side characters that are really wonderful uh, the bar owner pre rack supervisor turin who's again one of those characters whose arc has really changed to where geez, what a dick and you know now we really see him in a in a much more heroic manner fancy lee but arguably my favorite now arguably my favorite secondary character delcea kendry who's one of the aristocratic nine families she's got this attitude of self-importance uh and then she enters a relationship both romantic and professional with anila Uh, she's just she's just awesome so uh yeah yeah, like we said if if you haven't seen killjoys again it's it's they're 13 episode seasons no they might have they might be 10 episode seasons now i think yeah i think they're tens yeah yeah but it's on sci-fi um so you know check it out all right now one of the items on fred's list is the 2008 film doomsday and it's a film i really never heard of i mean certainly the the name doomsday is probably part of a lot of titles of of movies throughout the years but it, it was one that i didn't necessarily intend to watch the whole thing because you know while most of the things on fred's list i've seen you've seen most of them 
you know, with, with a few of them, if I had time, I was going to try to watch the entire thing. Doomsday, I didn't really intend to watch the whole thing, but it sucked me in, you know, and it's obviously highly derivative every post-apocalyptic trope ever used i mean look you and i covered 28 days later yeah and you you've seen the, all the mad max films it's, sure. it's got that it's got cannibals um and i'm watching and i'm thinking like all right yeah i've seen this uh, i've seen that uh, okay you're doing that and the next thing i know i'm an hour into it when I didn't necessarily intend to watch the whole thing. So yeah, you just, you just can't help yourself. Right. I mean, 28 days later, you know, like when we covered that, I mean, one of the things early in the film is is that panic that everybody has, you know, as they're running through the streets, who's, what's her husband got the actor. I can't think in 28 days later, the, um, Brad Pitt. Wait, what? No, you're thinking, uh, that's, Zom- oh, I'm thinking World War Z, right? World War right, Z, right, 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 right. 28 days later, uh, right, is, right, is, right. Uh, Killian Murphy is the right, 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 lead right. There. But you know, it, it was entertaining, and I, I know you're not a big fan of the voiceover. I so am we've not. got, so we've got that extended voiceover at the beginning to lay out what's going on. I, I think we're so accustomed to covering television shows where you've got 10, 13 hours to tell your story. So I get the fact that they need like a two to three minute voiceover to lay out the premise. I didn't like it, but I understand it. Okay, fine. It's London 2035. Virus has caused Scotland to be walled off from the rest of the world so they can contain the virus. I'm like, okay, well, that's kind of cool. How come nobody's helping them? No airlifts. Yeah. Once the virus appears in London, oh, now we need to search for a cure. Well, on the one hand, I like that idea. You know that that yeah, screw you, Scotland. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, you know, I, I, again, I mean, there's always, I mean, that that's historically been the solution. Right. Just build a, build a big wall, and of course, you know, now we're, we're see a similar thing in America, right? And, and I think this was really made before every film or every TV show has to be socially conscious and throw, you know, wh- whatever ideas out there. Because I don't necessarily think that's what they were trying no, to no, do. No, no, no. Because it, it was yeah, yeah. made 2008. So, I mean, there's right. no way at all. Right. It's definitely not. Um, right. But, but like, so that the, I, I think it's more you know, reminiscent of the Romans conquering most of britain and then just deciding instead of worrying about scotland they'll just build a big wall and just keep them over there we'll see over here and we're all good that way right but i mean for me what really kept me going is the main character rona mitra and okay yes she's extremely attractive she kicks ass she looks great in military gear uh, you you may know her from the strain and the last ship, which ironically are both virus apocalyptic stories. Also, Supergirl. She plays Major Sinclair, who's basically sent off to find you know this this doctor who theoretically can have a cure. Uh, dude, I don't know about you, but Malcolm McDowell was kind of perfect as 
Kane, this this doctor. And, well, I mean, know. like Mal- Malcolm McDowell and whatever. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, I think and, I and, literally have never seen anything that Rona Mitra is in. Really? Yeah. Uh, I don't. I mean, I've seen a few episodes of The Last Ship. I've certainly seen some of Supergirl, but I don't remember her in any of them. But she's really good in this. And and for a movie that is really highly derivative of, as I said, it, it employs all the apocalyptic tropes. The acting is pretty good. The production values are pretty good. If you like this kind of movie, there's plenty of good action sequences there's some violence there's some gore i mean you know there's heads get run over by vehicles i mean there's there's a lot to like for this kind of movie and once we get to kane the the doctor played by malcolm mcdowell who who she hopes has a cure and he's basically started life again on this island and they've gone back to the medieval times, which I thought was wonderful. I felt like I was watching, you know, Game of Thrones again. Mm-hmm. You've got the castle and the walls and all right, of that. Right, right. I surprisingly enjoyed Doomsday much more than I thought I was. And and for this kind of film, I mean, it fits in, like I said, 28 Days Later, Mad Max. Uh, but I, I just, I wonder why in the future all of these marauder groups decide that we're going to wear black and spikes and i mean it just doesn't seem very practical but i guess it is what it is so yeah. uh why don't we talk a little bit about gattaca which is a film that that we both had seen previously uh made in 1997 focuses on the implications of biotechnology i mean right. I, I really like this film ah, it's such a such a great movie you know here's the thing that like i mean gattaca Every year that goes by, I feel we get closer to Gattaca, you know? Yeah. Oh, it's like yeah. one of those movies that is just, it's like Fahrenheit 451. It's just eerily prophetic. I, I, mean, I mean, Jude Law and Ethan Hawke play, you know, are the two main characters, and they're purporting to uh, carry out what amounts to genetic fraud as Hawke's character takes on Law's identity so that he can overcome his genetic shortcomings which takes us to the present day and these parents buying their kids into colleges the more we advance in genetic engineering oh, and sure. dna like where are we where a parents can just say hey i want a let's see uh why don't you take my genes and get me a uh, a blonde-haired boy uh who has no flaws and who's has a super intelligence yeah let's let's make this happen engineer the shit out of my dna and let's let's get this done right right but then then what happens like in gattaca is like the people who can do that are the wealthy right right so so it's like you know like you'll get these this the the privileged class becomes not only a privilege but the super class because they'll be genetically engineered to be this the the ubermensch whereas you know everyone else the people who can't afford that are just regular schlubs right and and that's of course what we see and and yeah you're right i mean we're already i I don't want to say we're already there but but the technology exists and it's just gonna keep getting more available but you know as you said it's it's gonna be the super wealthy and the interesting thing is will we legislate this sort of thing you know well, 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 we, well you know is it okay to go in and genetically repair 
what's perceived to be a birth defect. Well, sure. Well, is it okay to go in and do this? Well, no. Well, why? So, you know, we're we're certainly headed for a lot of conversations about this. And uh, Uma Thurman, who I absolutely love, is uh, really, really great in this. And she discovers their secret. They really do a good job of world building. I always look. I always look at vehicles, and they did a nice job with design there because that's really difficult. um, Because this is '97, so they're not using uh, CGI CGI, like they're using using today. Uh, The clothes had a really cool kind of futuristic retro look, if if that makes sense. And uh, did you notice the piano player in the one scene? He had six fingers on each hand. I did not notice. Uh, so th- and I think they How even mentioned that. I've seen this so many times. I think they mentioned the piece of music he was playing was written for a six-fingered pianist. But uh, uh, yeah, but but that was uh, yeah. I mean th- that was a great film, and and uh, you know I I enjoyed watching that one again. I, I did pull that one out. Uh, and then the last item on Fred's list is a TV series called The Crossing. One and done on ABC in 2018. It had 11 episodes. And the premise is about refugees from an America 180 years in the future. And they start arriving in the present and claim that they're fleeing a war in their time. And, you know, in, in the opening sequence, we see all these bodies floating in the ocean and of course we're thinking okay there must have been a shipwreck somewhere and and you know well we we later learn that however it is they travel through time this is where they ended up and at the end of the day i i think i can't remember if we ever learned how many total there were but there are 47 that survive and they're initially held in a camp while homeland security figures out what to do with them and Again, for me, it was oh, crap. We were social commentary again, and uh, <laughs> you know, and, and, and for me, that that just kind of ruins it. You know, it's look, you're an artist. It's who am I to tell you you shouldn't put social commentary in your art? I'm not going to tell you you can't, but I don't have to like it, and I'm probably not going to watch it, depending on how much you infuse into each episode. And I watched the first three episodes of the crossing when it came out and just didn't really grab me enough. I mean, it was a little bit heavy handed again, coming off our discussion about Gattaca. So, so what we find is that, you know, in the future, there's a physically and intellectually evolved race called apex that have taken over and basically are taking the uh, advice of the Daleks and they start exterminating the weaker humans. And that's apparently what they're running from. But what I do love is the fact that, that we learn early on that these are not the first time travelers from this dismal future to come to this present. And, you know, we're, you know, we get some cool reveals along the way. So I, I did like that, you know, town has been invaded by these asylum seekers and uh, Reese, who is one of the travelers and got separated from the group 
focused on finding her daughter, but we learn that Reese is Apex, and you know she ends up working with Steve Zahn's character uh, Jude, and the, the dynamic between the two of them was pretty cool. And unlike Travelers, and I don't want to say this was to the series detriment because it's something we talked about when we were doing the podcast we never really see much of the future from which the travelers come i mean we get little bits and pieces there i think like in season four maybe but here we do get a a peek into the future from which these people are escaping and you know it was pretty good show i mean i guess not enough that i was going to finish it out and then once you learn it was canceled um, and I think we learned that before it had finished airing all 11 episodes, but I guess it is what it is. So, uh, go ahead. It's Steve Zahn setting. I love, like, like Steve Zahn a lot. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, he's really good. I mean, as a small town sheriff, he's perfect. All right. So you know, then what I thought I would do is go ahead and, and rank them one to 10 and how much I enjoyed them. So for me, one and two were easy. All right, well, let me, let me do this. Let me run through my 10, and then I'll let you go through your 10. So, right, so I've got Kill, Killjoys 1, Defiance 2, Gattaca 3, Divergent 4, surprisingly Doomsday 5. I, I almost that's, toyed that's with... That's exactly where I have Doomsday. I almost put Doomsday ahead of Divergent, but I, I like Divergent. You know, um, Doomsday 5, Insurgent 6... The Crossing 7, Allegiant 8, Avatar 9, Thunderbirds 10. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We we, we have some similarities here. So, okay, I got... So, yeah, one Avatar, two Gattaca, three Killjoys, four Defiance, five Doomsday, six Divergent, maybe overranking that a bit, uh, seven The Crossing, eight insurgent nine allegiant and sorry thunderbirds both of us put you at dead dead last <laughs> yeah but uh yeah so fred this was a lot of fun um you know revisiting a lot that we you know had seen a while ago and and certainly some things that we hadn't seen it was like i said i i really enjoyed doomsday i mean i'm not gonna say it's a great movie but i enjoyed it and i think yeah. there's something to be said for that Exactly. I mean, ultimately, it, uh, movies are, are meant to take us somewhere else for a little bit. And uh, yeah, if it's entertaining, that's what it's meant to do. All right. Well, anyway, why don't we leave that there? Um, Fred, again, we appreciate your support, not only with feedback, but as a patron. Uh, hope you enjoyed our look at your 10 items, movies and TV series. And, uh, you know, I guess that's going to do it. So, uh you know, we'll be back next time to talk about, I don't know, I guess it'd probably still be the magicians but when, when uh, this gets released. So uh, anyway, that'll do it for us, and we will see you guys soon. Later. <laughs>